I'm Brett Chang, and this is your Pete Daily for Tuesday, August 2nd, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Hope all of you Pete Pals had a great long weekend. So I'm not sure if you heard, but last week, there was a mega millions lottery in the US with a jackpot of, believe it or not, over $1.3 billion. So that's a lot of money. Now put this in the context. The biggest Canadian jackpot in history was $70 million, and this would won twice actually this year. So once in Brampton in January, and again in April this year in Regina, Saskatchewan. Now, when we say $1.3 billion is a lot, we really mean it. That's more than the GDP of Sierra Leone, Guyana, and Suriname. Now, we know one thing, that the winner of this pot is in a Chicago suburb, but he's yet to redeem their ticket. And I'll pose one suggestion for how this new billionaire might use their money. Perhaps pick up a social media network. I, I hear one is for sale. Well, anyways, either way, we hope that they keep that ticket very safe, that they redeem it soon. And I guess we wish them nothing but the best. Good, you know, congratulations to them. And we've got some great stories for you today. For our first story, oil is booming. For our second story, antitrust authorities are cracking down on Meta. And for our third story, we're debating whether or not we're in a recession. For our first story, tech companies may be struggling, but it's a great time to be in a more old school business. Oil and gas companies are raking in record profits and earning windfalls for shareholders. And here's what's going on. So some of the largest oil and gas producers in Canada and the U.S. reported outsized profits last week. This is a reversal for much of the past decade, which saw fossil fuel stocks underperform in the market. Now, Calgary-based Synovus revenue nearly doubled in Q2 from the same period last year, while Imperial Oil reported a 6x jump in profits. Last week, the three large Western oil companies, Exxon, Chevron, and Shell, they all reported record profits in Q2 for a combined total of $46 billion. That's mega millions jackpot money, peak pals. Now, thanks to strong quarterly results, energy companies now make up all of the top 10 performing stocks on the S&P 500 this year and 4.5% of the total index. That is dominance, peak pals. And here's why it's happening. Energy companies tapered off their investments in new projects when the pandemic struck and oil prices crashed. But now that demand is back, supply is tight, and prices are surging, well, investment in these new wells hasn't really recovered, and that's generating massive profits. Now, while high energy costs are painful for consumers, that's certainly true for a new driver like myself, fossil fuel companies and their shareholders may be happy to continue limiting investment and instead accumulate cash. BP's latest energy forecasts assume that demand for oil has already peaked and will fall steeply in the coming decades. That makes companies, well, let's just say reluctant to invest seriously into new projects or infrastructure. The question is, why spend the money now if demand isn't going to exist in the future? And this is the bottom line. The era of drill, baby drill, is probably over. Energy companies don't want to invest heavily if demand is going to tail off. And the status quo of high prices and record profits suits shareholders just fine. So maybe the solution is to become a shareholder yourself. That, by the way, not investment advice. For our second story, U.S. antitrust regulators are suing to block Meta's purchase of virtual reality startup Within, a move that could seriously hamper the company's metaverse ambitions and have ripple effects across big tech. To get you caught up, last year, Meta announced its planned acquisition of Rhythm. This is creators of the popular music-based virtual reality fitness app, Supernatural. Now, this raised concerns about VR market consolidation, given that Meta already owns Beat Saber, a very similar app. Now, the Federal Trade Commission chair, Lena Khan, clearly felt the same way. The FTC's suit 
alleges that the deal would give Meta an unfair advantage in dominating the VR market where they're already way ahead of competitors. Now, Meta said the charge is based on ideology and speculation and not evidence, quote unquote, and that the deal actually creates more innovation and competition by driving interest in VR in the first place. Now, in terms of why it's happening, FTC antitrust cases, they've historically been focused on mergers and acquisitions of large companies and established markets, but Lita Khan has made it clear that she wants to preemptively block deals that take future competitors with big tech companies out of the picture. Now, that's a problem for Meta, which has long leaned on acquisitions to drive growth. You can think of Instagram and WhatsApp and Oculus rather than actually doing the innovation in-house. And the timing of the FTC's shift could not be worse for Meta, which has gone all in on the metaverse. They pushed all their chips in on virtual reality and spending billions, well, at least so far losing billions of dollars trying to build the virtual world of the future. Now, success in the metaverse may be essential to Meta's future. The company just reported its first ever drop in revenue, sparking worries that the growth of its existing products has peaked, which is why this matters. Experts are unsure if the suit will succeed, but the mere fact it's being launched amid a bevy of other challenges and regulations across the globe targeting Meta signals a change in the way big tech companies will have to do business that may pose a serious threat to Meta's business model. And for our last story, there's an ongoing debate about if we're in a recession or if we're not in a recession. So we thought we'd kind of break down all the different arguments to you in this story at Peak Palace. So here's what's happening. The U.S. economy shrugged for two straight quarters, contracting by 0.9% in the second quarter of the year, according to data released earlier this week. This re-added debates about whether a recession had actually arrived. Now, Canada's economy grew 1.1% in the second quarter of the year, according to Statistics Canada data released yesterday. Now, this is raising fears that we could be headed toward an economic contraction in the second half of the year because that 1.1% number is actually fairly small. Now, a recession is sometimes defined as two consecutive quarters of negative growth. This is a bar that the U.S. economy has now met. It's had two straight quarters of negative growth. But this is controversial, and different countries have different approaches to defining a recession. So in the U.S.'s case, an independent group of economists that calls recessions looks at factors like unemployment in addition to growth, while the U.K. sticks with the classic, the traditional definition of the two quarters of contraction rule. Now, in Canada, the situation is even murkier. The C.D. Howe Business Cycle Council, they claim the mantle of recession decided for itself, and it uses an American-style definition that factors in employment and broader business activity. But again, other institutions disagree with C.D. Howe's definition. Perhaps the peak should jump in and make a call on if it's for a recession or not. By the way, we're not qualified to do that. But if we do zoom out, call outside of think tanks and big financial institutions, we often use recession as a catch-all term to talk about just a lousy economy overall, and it's no wonder, with inflation rising much faster than wages, people at least feel like we're in a recession, even if it's not official. Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. By the way, we're also the number one business news podcast in Canada, and that's incredible. So thank you, Peak Pals. Now, if you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review and help us get to number one of just news podcasts in Canada. Just tell a friend about us, put a review into Spotify or Apple. We really do appreciate it. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. As always, Thanks to our friend and producer, Dale Richardson, and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Have a great week, everyone.